T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yes, it is. Beamaz and Beamer here on WBEN. Thanks for being with us today. We are looking out at a snowy morning. You know, flying here at our Amherst studios, not too bad where we are, but we know that there are some areas that are being hit pretty hard right now. So just keep that in mind. If you haven't left uh, today or leaving uh, to go out to do something, it's lake effect snow. Been a while, but uh, just because it's quiet or you didn't really get that much snow, uh, wherever you're leaving from, doesn't mean the roads are the same, especially if you're traveling from north to south or vice versa, uh, going through that snow band, uh, it's going to be a long uh, one and an interesting ride. And so. it goes from completely clear to can't see the car in front of you very quickly. So just be advised if uh, you're a little late leaving the house this morning. In uh, just a moment, we'll be joined by Dr. Amish Adalja from Johns Hopkins University. Talk about uh, the current COVID picture, how things are changing, and the FDA's new booster recommendation for kids as young as 12 years old. Uh, that's coming up, but just remember, keep it locked here, WBEN. Everything you need to know regarding uh, the snowstorm as it's going on, uh, we'll have your back here. As uh, You know, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, Joe, to wake up to nothing. There was less snow <laughs> than when I went to bed when I woke up this morning. I mean, not the case right now, obviously, but it was uh, nice to be able to you know, have that and not have to deal with it early this morning. It was it was real nice. I did the uh, thing where I got up a little earlier, looked out the window, then went back to sleep without uh, setting an alarm. So I feel very fortunate that I got here with time to spare. All right. Uh, as mentioned, Dr. Amish Adalja at Johns Hopkins University is joining us on the line right now. Dr. Adalja, thanks so much for the time. Uh, we know it's a busy time for you, uh, but wanted to get you on because, uh, you know, it's a new year. And it really is, you can point to maybe a few weeks prior to the new year, but as we turn the calendar into 2022, it really is a different COVID picture that we're talking about, as opposed to all the other times we've had discussions on uh, uh, on the air here. And I want to start with, you know, just kind of what I think a lot of people are saying right now. I had someone close to me, uh, he was about to go on a trip. Not anymore. Uh, getting the uh, you know COVID test to go out of the country and oh positive you have COVID you know didn't even know it. Uh, we're looking at you know we're close to Toronto here. I'm looking at a story out of Canada, and the headline uh, I think is saying it all to me right now. Cough, cold, or COVID nineteen? Doctors say with symptoms overlapping, it's impossible to tell. And when I see something like that, and you see kind of what's around you, and the severity level diminished with the new COVID variant, it leads you to a lot of questions of, all right, what are we doing here, and uh, when are we over? Well, I think that what you're seeing now is 
is the fact that Omicron is basically ubiquitous, and this is not something that people are going to be able to avoid. And because the symptoms are so much overlapping with other respiratory viruses, including influenza, which are circulating again, it's very difficult to know. I think the key thing here is to get through this kind of acute phase, this acute wave of Omicron, and hope that our hospital systems are able to handle it. Because even if it is less severe on a pound-for-pound basis, if it infects more people and we still have enough high-risk unvaccinated individuals in certain communities, it could be a lot for hospitals that are already down on staffing and, and with, with capacity concerns. And I think we'll probably know this within the next couple of, of weeks, but that's sort of where we stand. You spoke of um, it overlapping with the flu, and we heard of the first case of this flu rona. Uh, how do you think that's going to be something that's common throughout the United States, or is it going to be just these rare instances of flu and COVID at the same time? It's fairly rare, probably less than ten percent. There's going to be less than ten percent of that of the time that's going to happen, and it's it's interesting because they're calling this the first case. But back in 2020, we had tons of cases like that. It's just that the press didn't care at that point. Uh, so now, and then they've come up with a catchy name for it now. So it's getting all these headlines, but we always knew that coronavirus and other and other viruses could co-infect at the same time. So I'm I'm really puzzled by the this fluorona craze that's in the in the news. I the other thing that was in the news was yesterday the FDA expanding the use of booster shots to now include people as young as 12, um, and, and this was uh, following you know, expanded boosters in young people already here in our state to go to the University of Buffalo or, you know, many SUNY schools. Now a booster is required in about a week's time if you want to return to campus. And, you know, I'm looking at this kind of, you know, going, I'm very surprised we're still doing this because everything I'm reading, you know, from reliable sources would indicate, okay, we're dealing with something much milder, um, you know, everything we know to be true still is where if you're younger, uh, you're less susceptible to a negative outcome. These people are already required to be vaccinated as it is, and the vaccines are holding up well uh, to hospitalization and death, uh, you know, amidst everybody. And here we are now requiring boosters for 18-year-olds to get their education and opening it up for people as young as 12, uh, I think it's maybe even less than six months after they were first approved for the initial shots. I Does this seem strange to you? Yes, it does. And I think it, it's, it's because I think people are very mixed on what their goal should be with COVID-19. And to me, it's always about preventing serious illness, hospitalization, and death. And I don't think boosting healthy people with these first-generation vaccines to give them a transient benefit to prevent mild illness really makes much sense. But for whatever reason, um, after the CDC initially approved them, it, it's really been expanded to almost everybody. And you can remember way, way back in the beginning, the CDC's ACIP committee voted against general boosters for people and the CDC director overrode her, her advisory committee. So, to me, this has always been something that they've wanted to have some actionable thing for people to do, and they tell them to get boosted, and that's that's part of their message. Even though when I work in the hospital and I just worked overnight in the hospital, it's not people who lack boosters that are there. It's people who lack first and second doses. And I think we have to 
to remember that that's the most important thing. And I think it, it's silly that many of these universities are now requiring boosters for for their students who are not going to be at risk for severe disease. I think universities should require full vaccination, but the booster doesn't make much sense for me in that group. I think boosters make sense in people who are high risk, people who are older, uh, elderly. But outside of that, I think there's there's marginal value to them. And uh, with Omicron, we see that people who are boosted are getting infected. And the, the thing is, I think we probably need to think about what our overall strategy is, because boosting if we boosted everyone in the United States and needed boosted, our hospitals would still suck. It's an interesting way to put it. And I'm wondering if we got on this uh, line of booster and, you know, we're just kind of slow to shift our, our mind. Right. Because booster, when you're dealing with Delta, you know, might seem like a, a good idea based on the data you're seeing. But I, I'm looking at something that was released about a week ago from a scientist at the University of Toronto who they looked at, uh, let's see, it's about 3,500 Omicron cases, over 9,000 Delta cases, and about half a million uh, test-negative controls. And a third dose in providing protection. And they say it's uh, not great protection with the booster against Omicron, vaccine effectiveness with the third dose after seven days. They put it at about 37%. And, you know, to kind of marry all this stuff together when we were talking about a vaccine we were looking at you know well it needs to be 50 percent effective and now we're mandating boosters to go to college for 18 year olds that a booster on the type of covid that's now circulating is under that 50 percent now you know that's just one study a few thousand people but we're all kind of seeing this anecdotally too yeah i I think that this was something that was ill-conceived and now it's going to be very hard for people to walk back these booster recommendations and booster requirements. But there, there really is not strong data that healthy people are going, to, are going to benefit that much from it, especially with Omicron, where we know it's <clears throat> immune evasive. And when you're talking about populations in which a breakthrough infection is going to be exceedingly mild, it, it doesn't. It, it's just never been something that I thought made sense. But <clears throat> the political winds kind of went that way, and it became very hard. A lot of us in the field had initially opposed boosters for the general public if they weren't high-risk individuals, but we've sort of been drowned out now, and it's kind of went on, and it's now you, you actually get equated to being anti-vax if, you, if you're against the boosters. I, have, I get hate mail from pro-booster people now. Dr. Dalja, you talk about it being immune-resistant, this new variant, Omicron. Are we seeing now with this more cases of people getting COVID for the second time? And with that, if you do have Omicron, what does that mean for natural immunity from the next variant? Basically, with Omicron, any immunity that you have from prior vaccination, any immunity from prior infection is not something that's going to really stop Omicron. So we're going to basically have the whole population of the, of the world susceptible again uh, based on the mutations that Omicron has. And that doesn't mean that people are all going to get serious disease. It means that if you're vaccinated, you're going to get mild disease because it doesn't erase everything that the vaccine does for you. What it, what it means for natural immunity, for uh, what we're seeing is that there is some data that if you, after an Omicron infection, you do get a big boost of antibodies that may be protective against other variants. So, for example, um, you're much more protected, it seems, from laboratory studies against Delta after Omicron than you were before. Um, So those antibodies seem to be much more cross-reactive after Omicron. I I think the the key thing is is to remember that there's 
four other coronaviruses that cause 25% of our common colds, and they reinfect us every year routinely. They get around our immunity and are able to cause mild illness. Omicron might be sort of the first step that COVID-19 takes down that path. And, and I think it was always destined that COVID would become the fifth seasonal coronavirus, and it looks like Omicron is, is you know, a sign of that, a premonition of that happening. With Omicron so quickly spreading and so quickly becoming dominant, the dominant variant, is there going to be a time where this is, as you said, everyone's susceptible to it, where Delta becomes again the dominant variant because Omicron has moved so quickly? I actually think Delta will probably go will become extinct because right now we're seeing Delta cases fall rapidly. And if Omicron immunity gives you immunity to Delta, Delta is not going to have many people to infect. If everybody gets infected with Omicron, Delta just might not be able to have enough susceptible hosts to survive. So Delta may get extinguished by Omicron. Do we have a good handle right now of, you know, hospitalizations will be under the microscope? um, And, you know, we have a lot of talk of that being uh, instead of cases, you know, looking at that is maybe giving us a, a clear indicator of where we are. Do we have a good idea of what type of COVID cases are making up our COVID hospitalizations. Um, in other words, is Omicron really sending people to the hospital or is it still just Delta? Um, do we have a clear grasp on that? Increasingly, it is now Omicron. I think there are still some residual Delta patients there and, and Delta has fallen to maybe about 5% of our cases overall now. But there are some Delta patients in the hospital. Omicron is sending people to the hospital. Omicron has killed people. The key thing is it's still going to be the unvaccinated, high-risk individuals. And maybe, on, as I said earlier, on, a, on an individual basis, Omicron is less likely to send you to the hospital. But if there's a lot of susceptible people in a given region who have high-risk conditions, it's still, even if the hospitalization rate is lower, it still may be too much for hospitals that are under capacity concerns because of the prior Delta wave that's dissipating somewhat, and a lot because of staffing issues and the fact that that many healthcare workers themselves are getting Omicron and having to, to be out sick. When we hear about uh, a booster and as it relates to Omicron uh, and, and, you know, vaccinated people, boosted people getting COVID, I, is there a difference between two and three doses um, when it comes to Omicron? Because, you know, as I'm kind of thinking uh, about this, this vaccine, you know, targeted toward COVID as we knew it, you know, at a certain point in time over a year ago. Now with the mutation, has it mutated to the point where it doesn't matter how much vaccine you have, uh, it's, it's really kind of a, a little bit different, uh, if you get what I'm, what I'm trying to ask here? Not completely. It depends on who you're talking about. In the healthy population, yeah, I think what you're saying holds. But if you're talking about an immunosuppressed person, or someone with high-risk conditions, they definitely should be boosted because their breakthrough infection may not be mild, and there is evidence that a third dose will help them stave off hospitalization. So for people above age 65, people with any high-risk immunosuppressing uh, condition, they should be boosted immediately. Would it be then a, a more credible policy to say, given what we know right now, when it comes to a booster shot, instead of saying, all right, let's open it up to everyone over 12 and uh, to go back to college, you're going to need it to say for the general population, if you're young, if you're vaccinated, 
you might not need it with this new variant. However, if you are over a certain age, maybe that's 65, maybe it's 60, maybe it's something else, or you have, you know, one of these comorbidities, you may need this booster shot, say, every six months. I think that's probably a, a better policy, and that's what, what sort of had been articulated in the past. Yeah, unfortunately, that kind of got washed away because people got confused about who was eligible for a booster and who wasn't, and public health often like simple one-size-fits-all solutions just to say everybody get a booster at six months is much easier than saying if you have diabetes, if you have this, if you have that, get a booster. And I think that also um, that, that's, that, that would have been a much more precision-guided message, and I think it would make sense, and it actually would be beneficial because it, it really articulates what the goals are to prevent severe illness, and maybe that changes down the line with updated boosters that may be directed against Omicron or second-generation vaccines that are more universal. But yes, I think a more targeted booster approach is, is what makes sense, but it's, it's going to take some time for people to walk this back, and I don't know if they, they will walk it back. Does the likelihood of rapid spread of the Omicron variant change what might be coming in terms of pediatric vaccination? Um, you know, in other terms, I, if we're going to be talking about a vaccine for kids under five years old or for a large portion of kids, say, between five and ten who have not been vaccinated, they're likely to get infected. Should that change recommendation on vaccination in those age groups? I, I think it, it, it could based on the fact that if they do get if they do get protection through immunity and this starts to evolve to a more mild or more manageable infection that we don't necessarily have <clears throat> stringent requirements for children with these first generation vaccines. What I think ultimately is going to happen is that we're going to see a, a really a much better second generation vaccine that's used in routine childhood immunization. And I think that will be kind of the, the, the last, the last, uh, the last blows with COVID-19 once it becomes something that we immunize routinely against in childhood, the way we do for rotavirus or chickenpox. That that may be what we we see happening, but I do think that we should think about vaccine policy in light of what's going on with the virus's epidemiology and its virology. And if it's changing to a different <clears throat> to something different, I think that 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 could influence vaccine policy, especially when we're using vaccines directed against the, the first generation of this virus. But I think it's it's going to be some time before all of that vaccine policy gets sorted out. Dr. Dalsha, uh, the CDC went from 10 to 5 days talking about quarantine. They got a lot of uh, backlash on Twitter, uh, a lot of people in the, in the media even saying that they went too far. What do you think about the quarantine for those who have been infected with COVID uh, being only 5 days uh, compared to 10? We've always known that a one-size-fits-all isolation period didn't make sense, that, that the bulk of transmission was occurring in the first half of illness. I think what the CDC was trying to do was correct to trying to right-size the isolation period, trying to minimize the disruption to, to people's lives with isolation, to encourage people to get tested because many people weren't getting tested if they faced a 10-day isolation period, and they had the science to support it. However, I think that the public health communication was very muddled, and they got very defensive. They didn't include tests, and many people thought that that was because they, there was a shortage of, that, that there is a shortage of home tests, then they basically cast doubt on the value of those tests, and then they went back and then put the test back in, but kind of put it in a wishy-washy manner, saying, if you have a test and you want to test, get one on, on day five, and then isolate for five more days if you are positive, which actually disincentivizes people to test. So I think they handled this terribly, uh, but I think in general what we want to do is make isolation periods 
the perfect size. We want them to be precision guided. And I think using rapid tests to say your isolation period is four days, yours is seven days, that makes sense. Um, hopefully we get to that point, but this is going to, this is creating more confusion and more backlash against the CDC. And many people have now tuned out the, the CDC, which is unfortunate because they are, they are the best at what they do, but they're just so compromised in how they do it because of political being infused with politics and also uh, just poor public health communication that to me is inexplicable. Uh, before we let you go, I do want to ask you because we're all looking for, you know, how do we get through this? How do we get to the other side where, um, you know, as Ben described, COVID is something that we live with. Uh, we're all hoping that this new variant is the first step of that, right? Um, and, and I want to point to, of all people, Whoopi Goldberg and something she said, and I'm wondering if this might hold the key, this attitude, um, because she, you know, got COVID. Why would you know? You know, <laughs> I found this out online. But she got COVID, but she had a quote that kind of stuck with me, where she said, I, I did everything I was supposed to do. And I, I, people say that a lot, right? If you have a positive case. You know, I've been vaccinated, I've been boosted, I wear a mask, I did everything I was supposed to do, and I'm still testing positive. I, you know, I look at that and say, well, that's because, this is a highly infectious virus and not a morality play. And, you know, once we start looking at it as one and not the other, is that our key maybe to living with this? I think we have to realize that this is an endemic respiratory virus, that all of us are going to have an experience with with this virus. It's not going to magically go back into bats. And we've got to figure out a way to live our lives in a sustainable way with this new threat. And I think we've got to learn to risk calculate. We've got to learn to use the tools that science and medicine have given us, like especially the vaccines, uh, the monoclonal antibodies, the antivirals, the rapid tests. And we have to kind of just realize that when when you live in in, in a civilization where there's lots of social interaction, when you're not kind of a a hunter-gatherer, the the trade-off is you're going to get respiratory illnesses. And the key to COVID had been to tame this respiratory virus, to make it something that is much more manageable, much more, uh, much less disrupt- disruptive. And I think we're, we're, get, we're at that point. We have the tools to do it. We just need more people to use those tools. Dr. Amish Adalja, Johns Hopkins University, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, breaking news, by the way, right here in Buffalo, the Skyway has been closed. And I'm sure Randy will have more on that now with news. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back, BMAZ and Beamer on a, well, depending where you are, snowy uh, Thursday morning. I'll say, Brian, everyone's talking about those bands, all, you know, the South Towns, the city, on the thruway. It's been pretty consistent outside our Amherst studios. Yeah, I mean, uh, ever since what, like seven-ish o'clock uh, here in Amherst, uh, snow started to fall, and it's been some pretty big flakes, uh, maybe harder at some times than others, but just kind of a general light snowfall. Um, you, you know, they talked about the, it took a while for the band to organize, and that finally got its act together at around 6 o'clock or so this morning. And yeah. hip, it's like the Beatles documentary, right? <laughs> it just, you know, it, it starts off, the band is disorganized, and then they come together and they play the hits, uh, or at least they come up with them. And uh, then they really hit Buffalo, and the whole thing lasts about uh, 14 hours, as right. long as the movie. Um, so if, if you saw that, you got a spoiler alert. It is amazing how, and by the way, if you missed our interview, Dr. Amish Adalja from Johns Hopkins University, that'll be uh, on demand inside the podcast tab, WBEN.com, the Odyssey app, anywhere you get your podcasts. Search for BMAS and Beamer. Uh, a lot of good stuff there on booster policy, where we are now with COVID. It's a different picture than it was even just two or three weeks ago, but... You know, looking at the snow outside right now, by the way, Skyway closed, uh, just so everyone, if you haven't been with us over the past few minutes, that happening within the last 10, Skyway is closed and poor driving conditions along that lake effect band uh, in Buffalo. If you're going from the North Towns to the South Towns or vice versa, you're going to be running into, even yep. though it might look really peaceful and not that bad where you are, you're going to be running into some uh, blistery, uh, blustery, blowing snow uh, on the commute, it is you know the first, it takes a while to get back into the swing of things though, because it, it is very easy even though you live with it year in and year out, Joe. The lake effect phenomenon of there being nothing and then you all of a sudden go into this crazy snowstorm and it's you know maybe not widespread but it's enough to totally ruin your day if you're in the band. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, there's nothing. We all know how it works. It just, you know, the first time it hits you every uh, season, I think you still run into a lot of, oh, you know, it's not bad by me. I'll go out and do whatever. And it's like, oh, it's snowing here. You, you know, this isn't that far away. Uh, you run into a lot of that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm guilty of it because, Brian, I could right now say, hey, if you're in such and such area, it's snowing really bad. Get out of here. Knowing I have to go to that same area, completely ignore myself. And think, well, like you said, hey, it's nice out here. Let's get in the car. Let's drive down the street. Uh, completely ignoring the news of the skyways closed. It's really bad downtown, sections of the thruway. Uh, but you're right. It's that first uh, that first storm. We know how it works, but eh, we, we kind of forget how to react to it and how it really can just be parts of Erie County. I mean, it can really be this storm that is just so concentrated to certain parts of western New York. Yeah, it is... Um you know, it's something we all forget about. I can be reasonable with people on the first snowfall that a lot of times you just kind of forget how it all works. But here's your reminder, a lake effect snow today. Were you disappointed at all this morning? No. 
<laughs> no, I was I was actually really happy to look out the window and see green grass because that meant that I didn't have to go wipe off the car. That meant I didn't have to go preheat the car. I was ready to walk the dog and then go to work. And then obviously, unfortunately, I took a nap without setting an alarm, but woke up just in time to get here on time. It's, you know, it's funny every time I see this. And I this is a little bit different. This isn't like the forecast was completely wrong. We're still going to get the snow that we were expecting. It's just the timing was a little off. Yes. Uh, we expected it earlier and for there to be much more snow now. But I will never quite understand the people who, if you log on to social media, your Facebook or anything like that, or you, you talk to people today, it's almost as if people are upset that they didn't get the snow. Yeah. Right? It's, oh, you know, oh, I, I can't believe, you know, if you wake up this morning, you might have been expecting seven or eight inches on the ground. Um, <laughs> you wake up this morning, you see nothing. Oh, well, you know, I was told all the snow, come on, what are you doing? That the, I mean, it's like a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, I wake up, I don't have to dredge through the snow, I don't have to shovel, I don't have to brush off the car. You know, it, it's one less time I have to do all of that. I was happy. Yeah. I understand meteorologists being upset, right? Because they told everyone these storms were coming, schools closed, businesses closed. I can understand a meteorologist looking outside or looking at the radar saying, no, it's still coming. It's just we were a little early on the time. It it got delayed. I can understand that people in that profession being upset that they were wrong or or not wrong. I'm sorry. Um, earlier in their timing than what actually happened. But people like us, Brian, who have to still wake up and go to work, right? A lot of people still have, look at the roads. A lot of people still have to get up and go to work. I can't imagine the first thing you get to your desk and you go, there was no snow. What was this? I'm happy there was no snow. And really, I hope no more falls here in in our Amherst studios so I don't have to go wipe my car off before going to work, uh, before going home. (laughs) I, um, I, I, I was happy this morning. I, I walked out the door with a smile on my face. I, I'm, you know what? It, it was a little wrong on the timing, but I am happy yes. to deal with wrong. I'm certainly not let down. No, by it, which a lot of people seem to be. I, I don't understand the the idea of a letdown. Well, I don't, I don't benefit anything from it being snowy. I still have yeah. to be here. There could be four feet of snow on the ground. I still, you and I still have to be in the studio. So we benefit in, in no way. Of there being more snow on the ground. Everyone does, right? Right. It's not just the, you know, if you wake up early, you wake up at any time. Yeah. If there's less snow in your car than there was expected. That's a blessing. Two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> great forecast. But what you said about people on social media, it's just an ex- example of people loving excuse oh, yeah. to Everyone be upset. Everyone loves to complain. Yeah. Everyone loves to complain about every little thing. Um, you know, which I, it could be said about me and the, the heat. Love to complain. Well, that's, that's, you can't escape that. I just, I just said that now because I got the blast of, uh, of cold air. Of cold air. I, I felt that too. Lake effect air uh, <laughs> blowing down on me. But no, again, Skyway closed right now. Keep that in mind. If you're going downtown, I mean, if you are traveling anywhere near Buffalo, uh, that area, Cheektowaga out east, uh, kind of in the middle of Erie County, you can see why. Uh, the Skyway is closed, and yeah. some of these uh, different things have been made. Give yourself some extra time if you're traveling anywhere near that Lake Effect Band. Yeah, don't pull a Joe Beamer. Don't uh, don't say, okay, I need to get there in five minutes. I'll leave with four minutes to spare. Is this? Uh, I'm trying to think. It had me thinking of like things that get you a little let down. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I am not let down by a forecast usually. No. I mean, if there was ever you know a truly surprise 
storm. Maybe the October surprise was a, a little bit like that. Not so much the forecast, but just like the results of it. Yeah. Like no one expected the you know trees coming down. I, I think we were all expecting some snow, I think. I only, I'm trying to remember back to the forecast. I, re, I, rem, I remember that day. We weren't expecting any accumulation because I, I, that was okay. one of the first days I was driving. They moved me out of the kitchen where I couldn't make pizzas to being a driver at Lenovo. So I remember this day very well. I what had my dad's, my dad's Kia uh, Sorrento, I think he was, he was driving, and I was, I was delivering pizzas. And um, you know it wasn't going to accumulate, so I was fine. I was wearing shorts and shoes because it was warmer at the beginning of that day. But Brian, an hour or two, and this goes into what we were talking about yesterday, we didn't have smartphones in 2006. So the, uh, the tree sign, the, the tree signs, the street signs were covered up by snow very early in the snowfall. And here I am, my first day driving, not knowing where anything except for the street I grew up on in Main Street. And I, you know, I'm getting out of the car and wiping the street names off trying to deliver this food. So I remember that day very well because of, of those instances. And then the car breaks down uh, right before the place closes. <laughs> um, no, so uh, that would have been like a little bit of a letdown if you're uh, maybe expecting not much, but then right. get like that. But I, I don't consider this a letdown. No. I'm trying to think of like things that are actually a letdown. You know, if you're complaining about uh, not getting the snow that you were expecting, even though we are, right? I mean, you look outside, yeah. you're driving through Buffalo, you're seeing a mess on some of the roadways uh, right now. It just didn't happen overnight like we were expecting uh but you wake up this morning i'm not let down at this i'm trying to think of like letdowns of what my dad like the the afc championship game last year joe yes that was a letdown yes to me yeah right that's something I thought was good going into that game. yeah you feel one way going in to something like that uh you don't positively know exactly what's going to happen but you're carrying like a sense of maybe what to kind of expect, and then you just get, like, thrashed. And, like, that's a letdown. I would, I, would, I would argue this year's Monday night game against Tennessee was a letdown. A game the Bills were in the red zone. They could have scored two touchdowns instead of got two field goals and then couldn't get the first down on fourth and inches. Letdown. Obviously, the Jacksonville game, a letdown. In the sports world, I can think of a lot of letdowns. Uh, Brian, last week I traveled to Yankee Stadium for a huge letdown. <laughs> yeah, you were let down. You're expecting one thing. I, you know, sports world, it's easy to see. Yeah. Uh, 803-0930 if you want to weigh in on our Volkswagen and Orchard Park text board. Um, you know, the, someone said the Bills are sometimes a letdown, yet everyone loves them no matter what. Uh, hopefully you think the same of our forecasters because uh, somebody else chiming in, it's a letdown in the confidence of forecasting. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't look at this. You know, it's pushed back a couple of hours. We're still getting lake effect snow. Yeah. You know, we're still getting all these things that we were kind of, uh, you know, looking at. I, I would say if you're – here's the text that come in. Here's where I'm let down today. If I'm a parent in the North Towns yes. and schools are closed, um, even with what was expected overnight – I would be saying, you know, what's going on? You wake up this morning, there's less snow on the ground than when you went to bed last night and the school's closed <laughs> if you're in the North Towns. Right. And knowing that, you know, you're probably not going to be hit with this lake effect ban even as the day moves on if you're, you know, up in northern Erie County or Niagara County. 
Uh, to have school closed, I would be pretty let down if I was a parent. Yeah, you had to rearrange your entire day, um, and then you wake up to this. Yeah, and I was surprised, uh, uh, the Northtown schools, how quickly that came in. It seems like, Brian, and, you know, when I was a kid, speaking of letdowns, when I was a kid, I'd be very let down when I saw the Buffalo schools close. Sweet Home Schools closed, but Amherst, for some reason, still open. That was a letdown as a kid on days like this, right? When the other districts would overreact and then Amherst wouldn't. Uh, I was very, uh, I was very um, surprised that all the Northtown districts kind of just followed the city after they announced that they were going to close. And by the 6 o'clock news last night, almost every district in Erie County had announced that they were closed uh, for school today. I was, I was surprised by that because I go back to high school Joe Beamer, and there were some districts that never closed. Yeah, absolutely. You had <laughs> – and it was always yours, right? Yeah. You always had that feeling, it's my school that never closes. I mean, Williamsville South is on the same street – and they would be closed. Park School, you can see it from Amherst, closed. Amherst would be open. Um, but now as an adult, I, I realize the district's smaller, right? Yeah. You, you don't, it's not as widespread. I, I get all that now. Um, but when I was a kid, like it would be 6 in the morning when these districts would announce it. Yesterday, like I said, by 6 o'clock, mm-hmm. most of the county had said no school. Yeah, that, I, that was surprising. Like I, I think I said over the past couple of days, most of the week here, that I would not be surprised if Buffalo closed down schools because of a couple things. One, it, whether it's – even if the timing was off in the morning, it's still the afternoon commute of getting yep. kids home, which has been a problem in picture-perfect weather because of the busing situation. Because it was set to hit Buffalo, that's going to be a problem, and yep. I would expect schools to be closed in the city and anywhere else that's kind of in that line, You know, not just because of the snow – but that kind of compounds the issues that they've been dealing with with the busing shortage. I am, however, you know, surprised when yesterday so many, you know, kind of hopped on. Uh, Buffalo announces, and then really it is almost every school district kind of yep. comes in and goes, all right, well, no school today, no school today. I, I wonder if, you know, the uh, and staffing issue has anything to do with that, if – you're worried about teachers getting from one part to another. You know, if you have to drive through the Lake Effect Band to get to where you're going. I think that has a lot to do with it as well. That would absolutely have something uh, to do with it. But it, it is a letdown if you are that parent. I agree with the person who texted in at 803 um, that, you know, you wake up this morning in the North Towns. And even as the snow starts falling, <laughs> you're looking at it like, wait a second. What did it take for me to get a snow day when I was a kid? It, it was a little bit more than this, uh, at least in some areas, right? I'll tell you, and again, maybe, maybe Brian, when we were kids, like, hey, anything on the ground you think should close the school? But I remember some days where that snow was pretty rough. And, you know, I had to walk to school, uh, to middle school, and the first two years of high school. And let me tell you, there were some days where it was tough to walk through that snow. And I still did it. I don't want to hear from these people, you know, this older generations talking about walking up the hill to school and all that crap. I really did have to walk to school and walk through the blizzard of 2000. I had to walk home because I had detention. Um, well, 2006, we already said. But there, there were times when there was a lot more snow than this on the ground. You couldn't see the sidewalk. I had to walk home in it. You know, that's where the, that's where the, uh, the snow pants started. I was like, I have to bring the snow pants to school because if it does accumulate, 
I don't want my pants to get wet. I'm walking home. I got to put these snow pants on. And you just wore them all day in school too? Well, no, they were in my locker. Okay. I would just throw them over what I was wearing. I Somebody chimed in and uh, was talking about the reason school's jumping the gun. And this is, I, I 100% agree. And I'm not saying that the decision to close schools was a misguided one or a bad one. Given the information you had yesterday, I think it was perfectly reasonable. Even for districts that weren't going to be hit with a bunch of snow, given not just the snow but every other situation that they're dealing with, for them to make that decision, they said the reason why schools jumped the gun in closing is because they didn't want to end up having kids stuck in school after hours all over again. Remember what happened five years ago. They're talking. I think that was mostly West Seneca. Yeah. Um, and those, I mean, it was like 9 o'clock at night. And kids were still trying to get back home from school, uh, strand on a bus somewhere, all the snow wreaking havoc. And, again, given the busing situation the way it is in a lot of areas, you don't want to be dealt with that once again. So I, I don't fault anyone from closing schools. I would just say if I'm a parent, I'm yeah. probably waking up if you're in some of these areas that aren't hit by the Lake Effect band going, yeah, that is a little bit of a letdown. But the more we talk talk about it, Brian, and, and what this year has been, the challenge it has been for some districts with staffing, and it's not just the city. We know that. Um, I, I can I can definitely see where, hey, we've got to consider where our staff is coming from, where teachers are coming from, and uh, I'm sure that played into it uh, as well. Uh, but, yes, the blizzard of 2000, again, uh, remember, a lot of kids were late getting home uh, as those pictures of buses stranded. And not me. Not me. I was only late because I was in uh, Mr. Bardo's detention for like the 10th time that year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when everyone else is late, you get out with, uh, you know, everyone else. That's right. So it's, That's right. It's almost... I had detention for an hour and still beat a lot of the uh, kids home. Almost not like a punishment at all. Yeah. <laughs> you have that going for you. But no, I I don't think it's a letdown at all. Uh, looking at what we have now, especially just because you're getting hammered with the snow. It's enough to close the Skyway, which is closed, by the way. It's enough to really hamper driving where the Lake Effect Band is. It is, as we sit here now, what we were expecting, even yes. if we didn't get uh, a lot overnight. So, as always, the weather changes so frequently. Don't let what you see at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, be the basis of what you do at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's gonna be it's a totally day. different picture, even outside right yep. here. I mean, Joe, it's only, as we said, it's only been snowing for about three hours and, I mean, it was all pavement, green grass outside of our studio here. You Start, can't, it's all white right now. Yeah, starting to accumulate. Uh, shout out to Uniland for uh, the treatment on the roads so we can get in and out of the complex. But, yeah, it's starting to build up. And uh, let me tell you, I'm glad I brought my boots. Didn't bring the snow pants, though. I was one of those people who saw green grass and said no snow pants. Maybe I didn't a, bring my snow brush. It's to not work? in the car. I thought, I thought you mean you, you don't have it right now? No. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm going to have to like go through the car wash. See, I something. thought you were talking about yesterday. You didn't bring the snow brush. I didn't realize well, I didn't it's right now. Either. No, I I don't have the snow brush in the car. I just wasn't thinking to. I have a uh, crappy snow brush, but I do have some something that resembles a snow brush. I will. Uh, I'll start it up. I think there's enough where that can melt pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, it's not That's too much right do, now. Hopefully. Do you splurge on the snow brush? Do you get like those nice? Ones that, you know, go the whole distance of your mm. roof on your car. No, but I've always been able to reach over the hood of my car. So now I might have right. to get like a big stick one or the ones uh, that it's it's not a brush anymore. It's like a yeah. big foam. Yes. Like brick or something at the end of it. Gets the snow, it just clops the snow right off. Is that Does it work if you use that? 
I've seen people. I don't. I don't have one. I, My wife has a really nice snow brush. I have the one that's you know at the gas station for five ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if it, you know, she has the Lexus, and you've got the you know. <laughs> The used version, yeah, like I have. Hey, um, hey my car's worth twenty nine thousand dollars right now. It's, yeah, that's right. We can all say that. Everyone who's got any used car, they're all worth thirty thousand dollars. Awesome. Hey, uh, we'll see you here tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, not talking about uh, the snow the way we are today. But have a good one, and we'll be back here. Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.